Thank you. Hello, everyone, to a class from a school for A Course in Miracles. Normally, you would see Lynn Caroni here every Tuesday. That's always been that way. But Lynn, at this very moment, has a certain appointment that she, she had to attend to. So she contacted me. She says, I know that you love that little book, Myra. Would you be please, please be truly helpful and help me out Tuesday so that I can go to my appointment? Well, obviously, I said yes, and it's an honor. It's a privilege. I'm very happy. And I want to ask all of you now also to be truly helpful together that we are here as one. And um, may we share beautiful love and oneness uh, together in this coming 90 minutes that we have. Okay. I would like to start off with a, a little prayer and that will have some uh, silence. Um, a while back, um, in one of the presentations I did that was from Lesson 163, and I fell in love with the prayer at the end of the book. It's in uh, the workbook on page 310. 310 in the workbook at the end of Lesson 163. And I would like to ask um, Lynn Altman. Lynn Altman, would you please read this beautiful prayer for us and then afterwards we'll just share a, a minute of silence together, okay? Sure, that sounds fine. Is my sound all right, Myra? Yes, fine, thank you. Very good. Our Father, bless our eyes today. We are your messengers, and we would look upon the glorious reflection of your love, which shines in everything. We live and move in you alone. We are not separate from your eternal life. There is no death, for death is not your will and we abide where you have placed us in the life we share with you and with all living things to be like you and part of you forever. We accept your thoughts as ours and our will is one with yours eternally. Amen. gently come back into our beautiful Zoom living room that we share here together. And may I ask if anyone has not yet muted their microphone, would you please do that and only unmute when you speak so that we don't hear all the background sounds. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, please keep your blue book ready because I'll be going there another three times or so. But we have our, <laughs> our Wapnik Whopper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're in chapter two, 
and the section is called One Problem, One Solution. And we will continue where Lynn left off last week on page 15, but just to get into it, just to get the feeling now, and this, the wisdom that Ken Wapnick is sharing with us and his clarity, I'd like to do a little recap, just, um, it's three or four of little paragraphs, just a few sentences, just to get into it. So I'd like to start on page eight of the little book. And it's the, the paragraph down in the middle of the page. Okay. The tiny mad idea that we could be separate from our creator and source, therefore is impossible. But once that idea seemed to have arisen in the mind, seemed, seemed to have arisen in the mind, we took it seriously. The we being the collective and separated son. This is before there was a world of differentiation and fragmentation. Yeah, I wanted to reread that. I think that's very important that the we, we were collective. And when that happened, there were no bodies yet. There was no world yet. Um, I'm looking with Tim. Oh no, Tim, you don't have your chart with you otherwise. <laughs> point, point to your chart, Tim. Where it's up there. Aren't yeah, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Um, I'll skip over now to page nine. Also the paragraph in the middle of the page. This is the beginning of the course's mythology. It is important to understand that this is a myth. It is describing something that never happened. Yeah, that's, that's a real mind blower, huh? When we hear that for the first time, that's, huh? <laughs> okay, I guess we're getting used to it now, huh? Okay. It's describing something that never happened. But it is describing it in a way we can relate to. Because understanding what the original mistake was helps us deal with all the mistakes in our everyday life. So it's very helpful to know these metaphysics, as Ken Wattman always tells us. Don't get too metaphysical, he says, but always keep it in, in the background. It's very, very helpful. Okay, I'd like to skip over now to page, page 12. Page 12, almost to the top of the paragraph there. This then is the burden of the section, the unhealed healer. What makes us unhealed healers is that we do not recognize that what has to be healed, changed, or understood is not the ego. What has to be healed is the mind's belief in the ego. The mind's belief, not Myra's belief, no, but the mind's belief. And as Ken always says, we don't want to fight with the ego. We, are, we, we don't want to change the ego. As Jesus says so many times, we want to look at the ego. That's all we are asked to do. Jesus says, come to me, whatever your problem seems to be. 
doesn't matter. We're just going to look at the ego. Because it's the mind then that's doing the looking. And we're changing the way our mind is looking. And Ken goes on to says that that distinction is not a subtle one and needs to be reinforced continually in our awareness, the mind's belief in the ego. This entire course rests on understanding that distinction. It is the meaning of this line that most students of A Course in Miracles know very well. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but choose to change your mind about the world. Change your mind. Not change, Myra. You change my mind. I am a decision maker. And I'm giving all these hints because we want to go to that place where we don't take anything personally. Because we are minds. We are decision-making minds. One more little paragraph before we continue on. On page 13, on the top. Oh, I love this one. I've, I've, <laughs> I've underlined this so many times, I can hardly read it. Um, as one son, we collectively decided wrongly. As one son, we collectively decided wrongly. We believed the ego's lie. The lie that said the separation from God happened. And once we believed it, we were off and running. And we haven't stopped running. We're still off and running. And that's why Jesus is saying now, hey, we have to calm down now. And we have to look at what's happening. We were off and running, having to defend against it. And ultimately, and here comes the world, ultimately make up a world and then the body as the ultimate defense against the consequences of sin. And of these consequences, the primary consequence is that we deserve to be punished. Now, this is the nitty-gritty of A Course in Miracles. This is Ken Wapnick straight on, right on. He's always just giving the nitty-gritty the way it is. Now, before we start continuing our reading on page 15, anyone want to comment on any of these little pieces? Anything? It, uh, in last night's class with Bruce, can you hear me okay? Yes. Testing one, two. Um, the phrase in uh, manual number 15 um, about the final judgment um, was, uh, that jumped out at me was this, uh, however, we all, I don't want to let go of this um, need to meet out, to, to dish out punishment. So, I mean, uh, internally, I mean, what he says here is that the consequences that we deserve to be punished, which basically proves that we actually pulled off the separation to ourselves. That, but that, that, and then that gets projected on the world, and I have to dish out all this punishment. Yeah. My comment that I realized last night when I, when I watch the news with my ego, it's like, why aren't they being punished yet? Why aren't they in jail yet? I mean, it's just like this resounding thought, <laughs> like they need to be punished. They need to be in jail. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, that's just the flip side of me thinking I need to be punished, which underlies the whole thing. Meaning my preservation of my belief in sin, my belief in a separate identity. So, yeah, that really jumped out last night. Thanks. Thank you. Stephen, did you want to say something? Or were you just waving hello? Oh. <laughs> okay, hi. Oh, uh, Vicky? You know, um, when I have those uh, feelings like Tim's talking about, about the about other bodies, I've lately been getting in, you know, 19 years into this course and finally like realizing that what I want to see out there is how I feel about myself. And, and then I realized, you know, the kindness of God and that those thoughts are, are unkind to me. And um, I, I don't want to be unkind out there because it just feels like I'm attacking myself. Um, and we all know the justice system is the ego system. And who knows if people should be in jail I and mean, we're all in prisons of these bodies anyway. But anyway, I'll just keep going on and on. Thank you. We will be addressing some more things about bodies in the world. And uh, I think, I hope some answers will come then from themselves, from Kim. Okay, let's continue on. Where we stopped last week, that's at page 15. And I need to get something ready here. On page 15, uh, almost to the top of the page, the new paragraph, this is all based. And let's see. Is there anyone says I would like to read at this moment? <laughs> I, I would like to read. Uh, I would prefer not to comment afterwards though, if that's okay. You know, there's another way to do it also. Okay. You can comment while you read. You read a sentence, and while you're there with that one sentence, if you'd like to, you could say something. It's just a suggestion. Okay, thank you. Uh, so you want me to start at the top? Who has authority? No, this is all based upon the belief. Oh, okay. This is all based upon the belief that the separation from God called sin actually happened and was serious. However, the reality is that we never separated from God. This is what A Course in Miracles calls the principle of atonement, which is the Holy Spirit's correction principle found in the right mind. Um, I always remember the atonement is the realization that the separation never occurred. Yeah. Um, so that's how I remember the atonement, yeah. that it never really happened. Um, remember at this point in our myth, there is no world, no body, no brain. Please, <laughs> please. Yes, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's a no-brainer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we take it so seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
please do not make a connection between the wrong and the right mind and the left and the right brain. Uh, they have nothing to do with each other. One can be left-brained and right-minded and wrong-minded and right-brained. <laughs> the mind and the brain have nothing to do with anything. The brain is not the mind and the mind is not the brain, though its decisions are reflected here. <laughs> but that's an important, an important uh, point to make because I think so often that you know, if we're new, we, we automatically think it's the brain that's making the decisions instead of the mind. Yes. So good clarification. Yes. And nice and funny from Ken, the way he writes it down, left and right and right and left and there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just nice. It's a real no brainer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyone else want to say something about this uh, paragraph? I think it's pretty straightforward. Lisa said very well that, yeah, the atonement pr principle is that the separation never happens. And further, we are not going to confuse the brain and the mind. Yeah. Okay, we'll continue on. Uh, Stephen, would you like to read? Uh, certainly, thank you. Probably limited comments because... I don't know what's going on in my brain. Okay. Uh, starting, with, starting with the problem? Yeah, the problem. Yeah, we'll start with the problem. That's a good start. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the problem is that we took the separation seriously and then believed God was going to punish us for having en enacted it. Therefore, in order to escape from his wrath, totally non-existent, of course, we made up a world in which we could hide a world that is the opposite of heaven. Thus, everything heaven is, the world is not. Heaven is unchanging and undifferentiated, the eternal home of perfect love, oneness and wholeness. Everything here is exactly the opposite, for the ego self is the opposite of the glorious self that God created. Okay, well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, would you, you don't want to say anything? Uh, well, the, 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 the thing, yeah, well, uh, it's hard for me not to, I guess. Uh, in <laughs> okay. order to escape uh, from his wrath, totally non-existent, yeah. of course. Before yeah. I read totally non-existent, of course, I, I had a, a, you know, a nanosecond type thought that said, uh, said yeah. no, that's impossible. It's impossible mm -hmm. that God would have wrath. Yeah. It's impossible that God is anything but uh, um, love. Uh, love and a, a perfect awareness of oneness. Oh. And uh, and the really strange thing for me is uh, I'm that too. Uh, and I'm, I, I often have a hard time remembering that. I guess that's uh, what this course is all about for me. Yes. Anyway, thank you. Yes, thank you, Stephen. Those are the four words that I underlined here that I wanted to accentuate that Ken is telling the story about uh, that we believe that God is going to punish us and it's a wrathful God. And then Ken says, but it's totally non-existence, of course. Totally non-existent. It's a myth. It's not true. And then the rest of that paragraph that he's giving the description that heaven, God, and love is unchanging, is eternal, perfect love and wholeness. And so whenever 
in our own daily life if we doubt something or oh, what did God create and what did God not create well this is the criteria we could think of is what I am thinking about is it unchanging or is it changeable and then you know if God created it or if I made it up I made up a lot of things oh boy <laughs> anybody else want to comment on this paragraph Bruce Wallace, would you like to read the next long paragraph? Okay, and that's the one in 16? Yes, page having, 16. Having made up this world? Okay. Yes. Having made up this world, magically believing we could hide from God there, we fragmented ourselves into billions and billions of pieces. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> cat there <laughs> billions and billions of pieces <laughs> including cats each one being housed in a body our discussion will remain with homo sapiens although this would work for any other material form in the universe from that point on the body became the way of defending against the mind wherein god would destroy us in other words the mind became a battleground in which we found ourselves at war with god remember the true god knows nothing of this we hide from God by seemingly escaping into a world and body. The body, the home of the special relationship, then becomes the principal means of defending against God's wrath. We displace our belief in the wrath of God onto everyone else. That is, This is why the Course says the authority problem is, quote, the root of all evil, unquote, not money, as the Bible says. The authority problem is originally with God and then displaced onto every other authority in our lives and of course every other authority would be every little irritation or grievance or issue we have with anyone or everything yeah. <laughs> moment to moment to moment yeah. it would seem yeah thanks would you like to comment on what you just read bruce would you like to comment on anything else uh, Are you, Bruce, did you want to say something else? No, can't hear you, Bruce. Oh, I, I, I must have hit the mute button or maybe my cat did. <laughs> yeah, sure oh, which. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Cats are the root of all evil, <laughs> especially the black ones. <laughs> okay, yes, Maurice. Thank you. Uh, I want to comment on, can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you. I almost feel like uh, I don't belong here today. It's just ego speaking because uh, what, what Tim, um, Tim was saying earlier about last night's class, that was about the last judgment, about punishment, uh, you know, wanting to punish. And, uh, and then this phrase in here about, um, uh, it being a battleground, I'm really, I know I'm not the only one, but I, and I feel like when I share this, I shouldn't share it because this should be a heavenly place where we talk about nice things. But my ego is so battleground. It's been such a battleground the last couple of days. And I just hate everybody. And I just am so aware of it. 
And I'm and I think oh are we shut up and don't share this you know with people because it doesn't I but I know I, I hope I feel safe I belong my history has been I belong to groups and then I I back out of them because I I know it's ego saying you're not worthy you're not good enough to be here and uh, it's just that battleground that is so uh, wonderful well I I'm really grateful that I am seeing it because as you know. Orise, little Orise was a former nun for 19 years and so uh, imbued in that and trying that split mind of mind has always been really obvious because on the outside I looked so beautiful and holy and on the inside I was a mess and uh, <laughs> anyway I, I really um, need to be constantly reminded of what we're reading that um, I just look at that. I love today's lesson. Um, and like Tim was saying, we feel like we want to punish other people. But my gosh, I'm so aware of um, my unloving thoughts oh, keep me yeah. in hell. And, right. and I just feel that, So you know, some days we're just in pure hell if we admit it to ourselves. And I may be I don't know if we ever come out of that stage, you know, as long as I'm in this body, if I'm, I'm going to have months and days where I just coast along in this cloud of love. But I don't so far. I, I have these awarenesses of being in hell because I, I want everybody else to be there with me. And I'm aware of that condemning part of me, that fierce, competitive, individual part of me. And then I can say, <laughs> but my as our lesson today, I really do can say, my holiness is my salvation. You know, and it and it's just, it's um, it's a seesaw up and down and up and down, up and down, and and sometimes even when I say that, it doesn't help. I don't feel clouds right away. I'm not walking on air. It takes days sometimes. I have to say these things, and finally, they, then it comes. But it's definitely up and down. But um, thank you. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that, Elise. You know, these, these feelings, they, they want to come up because they want to be healed. It's very good to share them. Thank you for being so brave and so open and honest. That's really what helps us heal together through the love that we can share now in embracing the, this with all of us together here as one mind. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much. And, yeah, oh, there was so much I wanted to say. What did I want to say? <laughs> well, first, Vicky wanted to say something. So maybe I'll remember what I wanted to say. And then Bruce wants to say something. Yes. Well, um, remember when Kenneth Wapnick would teach about um, Freud knew a bad thing when he found it. And uh, it was uh, the guilt in dreams. And the, but now the Course is teaching us that Freud missed one part of it, that those thoughts are nothing because they aren't in our true mind. Yeah. So to get to the place where we can see, well, it's, it's a ridiculous thought, you know, God to, a loving God doesn't think that way about me. Um, I think that's where this Course is going to understand the thoughts of God. And it takes a while because we're so screwed up. <laughs> Thank you, Vicky. Uh, Bruce, what did you want to say? 
Yeah, I, and, and echoing that, and also in response to Arisa's comments, I, th I think we're all um, living through the picture of Dorian Gray story. You know, here, if anybody remembers that, it was the, the story of this person who outwardly had everything going, but inwardly it was like, there's a painting that he kept like in an attic or somewhere and the painting kept getting uglier and uglier reflected the, 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 the hateful thoughts that he was having. And finally he slashed the painting and it was, but, but, <laughs> but, you know, but the whole, the whole idea is that, that, you know, everyone's ego is ugly. It's hideous. It's, it's grotesque and horrific and, but it's nothing. And that's, you know, we, we first have to look at it and then we have to, with Holy Spirit's help, and then we have to see it as the nothing that it really is. And that, that's usually a long protracted process, but, but we're, we're all going to get through it because we've all graduated. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, it's the, it's the school of Jesus. We already have a diploma, folks. We just forgot to pick it up. Lynn Altman. You know, one of the things that's been really important to me about... Um, acknowledging the depth of my hatred is um, the course says very clearly that those thoughts are not real, but to me, they're real. And until I bring their reality up to my awareness, I can't take the next step of acknowledging that they're not real. And that's a very scary, I have felt a lot of fear about that within the context of the course and particularly within groups and so forth because the end goal and that feeling that we have in the holy instant is so beautiful and and there is a part of us that knows that it's real i know that that's real and so it's difficult not to say well gosh i shouldn't have those thoughts now because i know i've experienced there's another reality but the whole thing about the process of the course is walking us through believing the thoughts, believing our identity as an ego. And then through that, the Holy Spirit helps us see that that's not what we are. And we come to recognize that our holiness is our true identity. But um, it is, you know, when holiness is so holy, it is really hard <laughs> visibly, even, even to myself to go through that, let alone you know, in the company of, of um, you know, the judgment that I've projected outside. So it's, it's really my own judgment of myself and my feelings that I'm dealing with, but it appears to be worrisome to be honest in, in a public way. So thanks, Arisa. I really appreciate <laughs> I recognize a fellow traveler. <laughs> thanks. Words, holiness. We can also think of it just as being whole, W-H-O-L-E. We can also think of it as just being pure love, the perfection of love. We can think of it as being grace. Or we can go with the Holy Spirit and say, okay, what's my story with this word holiness? When did I decide, when did I ever hear in this life Something about holiness that I did not like. When did I decide that holiness was definitely not for me? And when we have that moment, we can give it all, put it in a big package and give it to the Holy Spirit all at once. I don't want this anymore. I want now that Jesus 
is redefining everything we ever learned so that words are no longer a symbol of separation but the words that we use healing and whole and love and grace and unity and oneness they're all symbols of love symbols in the dream of the right mind and Arishu said something that was about walking on clouds. <laughs> I just wanted to say, yeah, sometimes the ego can make up these um, expectations of how it's supposed to feel. And once you experience that, it doesn't feel like walking on clouds because the body is just walking. The body keeps on walking. The body never falls away. We never deny the body. We're just giving the body a different purpose. And then I wanted to say, here, he's always talking about the mind. So you also mentioned the battlefield. And we think that the battlefield is here in our lives, what we call life. No, the battlefield is in the mind. Everything is in the mind. The whole world is in the mind. All of us are in the mind. Let's just talk about bodies some more. I would like to go to the textbook. If you would please get your blue books to a very well-known section. Chapter 27, page 585. The Hero of the Dream. Page 585, The Hero of the Dream. Just to read the first paragraph. Dave Dempsey, would you read that for us? And also, uh, you can comment when you will, after one sentence, two sentences, or at the end, or no comments, whatever suits you the best, okay? Okay, thanks. The hero of the dream. The body is the central figure in the dreaming of the world. There is no dream without it, nor does it exist without the dream in which it acts as if it were a person to be seen and to be believed. It takes the central place in every dream, which tells the story of how it was made by other bodies, born into the world outside the body, lives a little while and dies, to be united in the dust with other bodies dying like itself. In the brief time allotted it to live, it seeks for other bodies as its friends and enemies. It safely is its main, its safety is its main concern. Its comfort is its guiding rule. It tries to look for pleasure and avoid the things that would be hurtful. Above all, it tries to teach itself its pains and joys are different and can be told apart. Um, I, I just kind of want to go back and kind of comment when I was listening to Oris. Um, in Ken's book, Our Resistance to Love, he taught me such a valuable lesson in that book because he talks about as long as I get up in the morning and see myself as a body in the mirror, then I'm an ego. 
and how I walk, work through the day is I look at my judgments and I look at my ego. But he goes to that line in forgiveness and stillness. We sit and wait and watch and quietly do nothing. And pretty much what he explained is, is we have to look at the judgment without ego with Jesus. And the process then starts to be the more I'm willing to look at the ego without judgment with Jesus's help, I spend more time with him and less time with the ego. And for right now, that's probably the best I can do. Mm. But I'll spend time with Jesus anytime rather than me. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I know where me gets me <laughs> in this body. And so I think we're that kindness and gentleness of being kind and gentle with ourselves, with the help of Jesus to just look at our judgments and how silly and our ego, how silly it can be. And then we put like lessons like today's lesson. And it tells us to bless people rather than try to do this stuff ourselves, or, you know what I mean? To, to see their holiness too. And I've just come to realize how that first law of chaos, that everyone's truth is different, is probably the thing I need to be paying attention to the most. As soon as I see a difference, then I've kicked in that first law of chaos and the rest of them just tumble in on top of it. I go down that stairwell and I'm, it's like all the stairs just tip and I go down. It's like, I see that there should be punishment. And, um, so yeah, it's just a matter of stepping back and looking and not giving the ego so much prowess and beating myself up because I'm still here in a body when I wake up in the morning and see myself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. So what? Mm -hmm. So now I can be in a classroom rather than in hell. So it's just, again, it's perception, um, but it's a better perception for sure. And it's the one that leads me home. So yeah, the body is just, our defense against the truth. I think we really need to understand that and quit making it so real and realize that the answer is in the mind, not the body. And I guess I'm at a point where maybe my lion's starting to show up where it says it's okay to be a mind and not a body, you know, because uh, it's against the law of the world to <laughs> sit and close my eyes and see the oneness and see the love and see through the Holy Spirit's vision instead of mine. So, yeah, it's just a, uh, an evolving thing, I guess. So thanks. Thank you for that, David. Did anybody want to say anything about what David read about the hero of the dream? Yesterday, I was uh, I was talking with Brian. He's uh, he's in immersion and uh, fairly brand new to the course. He's in Portland, and um, we were talking about thoughts. And, and, and one of the things I think is really helpful about Ken's chart, now I can point to it. Yes. It, it materialized behind me while yes. David, David was talking. So, um, so I mean, there, there's, and the Course uses this phrase, capital T thoughts, which is this, our experience in heaven, top level stuff. So there's that kind of thought. And then there's, once we step outside of heaven, and we play around with the idea of separation, there's two reactions to that, if you will, two thoughts about that, that idea that we could be separate. 
And there's only two thoughts going on in any given moment in the mind. And so one thought is my truth is different than God's truth. My truth is different than your truth. And then all hell breaks loose after that because it's just insane. And that's, that's the only thought going on when I'm identified with the ego. Or I'm looking at that thought of separation and I think it's silly, that reaction of silliness with the Holy Spirit. So in the mind, there's only two thoughts. In actuality, there's only one capital T thought. Here, there's just two. My truth is different from yours, or that's just absolutely silly. And then after that, every, I don't even like to call them thoughts in my brain. Their brain farts, really. I mean, it's just my brain's just boom, boom, boom. So, I mean, it's like I'm having all this brain crazy stuff. But that's all those brain thoughts, if you will, are just a reflection of this, my truth is different from you, or this, that's absolutely ridiculous. Your truth is my truth. So, I, I mean, it, it, it simplifies, because especially in the early lessons, he's talking about thoughts. My thoughts don't mean anything. And it seems like he's talking about our, our brain thoughts, which is true. They don't mean anything. But that's because they're all based on this thought that my truth is different than your truth. And, and, and then it just, everything here, of course, is crazy after that. But I can have all kinds of brain thoughts, too, all kinds of crazy stuff happening, and I can learn not to take those brain thoughts seriously. They're, they don't really go away. But if I'm, if I'm reflecting this thought, my truth is different than yours, then all my brain thoughts, everything I'm thinking right this second is going to be feel crazy. It's going to feel problematic. It's going to feel like I'm fighting, conflicting, blaming, need, need to dish out punishment. But if, if I'm thinking with all these crazy brain thoughts with the Holy Spirit, then I'll look at them and go, hey, they're not a big deal. I mean, what do I expect to happen? <laughs> You know, the body with a brain is the central figure in the dreaming of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, what will we do without a brain <laughs> as a body? I mean, they're really pretty much synonymous. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Tim. That was great. Yeah. Well, this whole section in, in Chapter 27, The Hero of the Dream, is a very powerful section. And Jesus writes it for a meaning, it, not to make us feel bad, Jesus never wants us to feel bad or, or create and start making up more guilt stories of things about bodies, no. You can read it with, with the glasses of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is saying, listen, you didn't know any better. You didn't know who your teacher was. You didn't know what was going on before the Course found you, before you were open to listening to Jesus and his new words now. We didn't know what was going on. We had no idea. We thought, this is the world, this is my body, this is my life. The thoughts in my head are my thoughts. And so he's really being very gentle with us, step for step, to disengage, to detach from the body. And there was, uh, this week on Facebook, I saw a, a very nice little quote about detachment, and I wrote it down. It was, detachment is not that you don't own anything anymore. Detachment means nothing owns you. 
Detachment doesn't mean that you don't own anything anymore. This course takes nothing from us. He's not asking us to offer up our jobs or our cars or nice clothes or good food or, or chocolate. <laughs> I love chocolate. No, he's not asking us to offer that up, no. Detachment means it, has, it doesn't own you anymore. And he keeps on saying, we don't deny the body. We don't make it real, but we don't deny it. He used, that used to drive me crazy. I would say, Jesus, you got to help me out here with this paradox. What are you telling me now? Don't deny it. Don't make it real. I have no idea how to do that. It took me years <laughs> to, to even want to understand that. That giving it a new purpose, really, really handing every single day over. For me, that was the rules for decisions, what started about five years ago, and it just hasn't stopped. And it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper in learning how to accept guidance. But in, at the same time, you're detaching every day from, from the body. And at a certain point, then you, it just happens. That, wow, no, I am not a body. I am free. But it starts with reading something like this, like the hero of the dream. And saying, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, I don't want to be that anymore. Thank you for letting me know that I was making a mistake now for 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. I don't want to be that anymore. And then you reach that point that you say, oh yeah, Holy Spirit, now I'm ready now. Please, I'm willing now to learn the other way. And um, Holy Spirit, now I'm willing to be healed. And Holy Spirit, I'm willing to be loved. And then you just say thank you. Now, if, if no one wants to say anything about the hero of the dream, we'll go back to our book. <laughs> Let's go back to our beautiful book from Ken, The Wisdom of Watnik. Okay. And we are at the top of page 17. And is there anyone that says, I would like to read? I really would like to read something because not everyone will get a chance to read. Lisa, yeah, okay, Lisa. Um, if you would please start at the end of page 16. The very last sentence that he talks about the authority problem, because that continues on and on page 17, okay? Sure. Yeah, thank you. The authority problem is originally with God and then is displaced onto every other authority in our lives. The problem, however, is never with anyone here, because the problem is never with God. There is no God who is angry who has been sinned against. There is only a God of love and oneness, whose reality is not even far beyond this world, for his being has nothing to do with this world at all. This is why Jesus says that love is not possible here, where love is always expressed from one person to another, or one person to an object, substance, activity, cause, or book, especially if it has a blue cover. <laughs> that is not love it cannot be love if it is from one person to another for that is duality 
Love is non-dualistic oneness. What is possible in the world, as the Course says, is to reflect heaven's love, which is the meaning of forgiveness. Yeah, so I, when he's talking about forgiveness, it's not that I'm forgiving what someone did out there or said out there. It's more abstract than that. It's not, I'm not forgiving a body. It's, it has nothing to do with bodies. Bodies, yeah. Right, so. <sighs> I love that, especially if it has a blue cover. <laughs> Anyway, um, this is this is really kind of where I'm starting to get to, is getting to that point where I'm realizing that I can only forgive if I'm not looking at their bodies or identifying with my body or theirs, so... Thank you, Lisa. Yes, it's Thanks. all coming from the mind. That goes back to what we were just saying before, that my thoughts, and Jesus says in Lesson 10, my thoughts do not mean anything. It can be really helpful sometimes to, to spend, spend a while with a lesson like that. My thoughts do not mean anything. A day, a week, a month, and every day, Holy Spirit, Everything I think, I see something on the news, a politician that just said something, and I thought, huh? Oh, but Holy Spirit, these thoughts, I'm thinking about a brother being separate from me now. These thoughts do not mean anything. It's not about the man. It's not about the politician. It's not even what he said. My mind... That ego mind, that way, on the chart, is projecting these feelings and these thoughts. The thoughts are not my thoughts. They're coming from the mind. They're coming from the wrong mind. And so to practice that lesson, these thoughts do not mean anything because they're coming from the ego mind. They're not Myra's thoughts. I'm not thinking them. That can really be very helpful. And I did that for a while too. I once shared that I did that with lesson two. I give a meaning to everything. And that was really mind blowing how much meaning I was giving to everything the whole day long. And I did that also for about a month. But I also did that with lesson 10. What does this mean? My thoughts do not mean anything. Okay, it took a while to accept that they were coming from the mind, but in the meantime, while studying that lesson, I was very aware of all these thoughts. And that was very, very helpful. Okay, there's a lot here about love not being in the world and love not being in our relationships and everybody, and the ego can say, what about my wife and my husband and my children? and my friends and everybody that I love here. Okay, so let's go back to the blue book. In the text, I'd like to read a few things. It's from page 343 in the text. It's chapter 14, The Forgiveness of Illusions. And 
And let's just talk about the special relationship now, and just for a few minutes here. On page 343, uh, down at the bottom of the page is um, paragraph 12. I'll just read a few lines of this. Whenever any form of special relationship tempts you to seek for love in ritual, remember love is content and not form of any kind. So the true love from God has nothing to do with form. The special relationship is a ritual of form aimed at raising the form to take the place of God at the expense of content. There is no meaning in the form and there never will be. There is no meaning in the form and there never will be. So what's all this relationship stuff about? And we all have our, our loved ones and our families and our friends. And, and how do we do this, Jesus? Yeah, how do we go about this? And that's learning to see it all differently. That my husband and my kids and my friends and everything going beyond the body with Christ's vision, asking the Holy Spirit every day, recognizing that everyone is a child of God. There is nothing here in this dream except God's beautiful creation of love, mistakenly seen as bodies. We really, every encounter is a holy encounter. We really truly want to see everyone as a love package. And we've all forgotten that we're love. So we're all in the same boat together. As Ken Watnick always says, be kind because we're all in the same boat together. Everyone shares the split mind. Everyone shares the one wrong mind. We share one ego. We share one Holy Spirit. We share one problem and one solution. We share that all together. So, in the classroom, our husbands and wives and children and families and so, they show us, they are our saviors, they show us where the blocks are in my own mind. Everybody is showing me what's happening in my mind. The whole dream here, everything is being played out. The mind is playing itself out. A few times there's a sentence um, that Jesus says, it's very interesting, the mind cannot attack. The mind cannot attack. So what's all this attacking going on here and all this conflict and war? What, what's happening here? Aha! The mind projects the world. The mind projects the bodies. The ego mind is misusing the body because the mind has attack thoughts, but it cannot attack. So it projects bodies and then projects the thoughts of attacks into the bodies. We, not knowing anybody better, we make the mistake 
of identifying with those thoughts. And because those thoughts are awful, guilty, terrible thoughts, oh, we project them out. And the ego mind is very happy. I did it again. But all that's happening is that the mind is playing everything out. And I know that that's, the ego doesn't want to hear that. Um, it's very difficult to accept. It can take a while. But once those pennies start to fall down, it's all mind. It's all happening in the mind. If you go to the next page, it's page 344, just a few sentences from par par paragraph 13. See in the special relationship nothing more than a meaningless attempt to raise other gods before him, and by worshipping them to obscure their tininess and his greatness. Okay, so in all our relationships, are we still looking for love outside of us? Are we still looking for happiness and joy and peace outside of us? Jesus is saying, no, it's all, God has given you everything. You've just forgotten. You've just forgotten that I'm here to help you remember. Really, it's a very loving course. I'm just trying to help you remember. We just have to take away these, these building blocks that, that you've been building up for such a long time now. That's all we're doing. We're removing blocks. Forgiveness removes the blocks. And all our special relationships are very, very helpful. They're showing us which blocks there are. So then we know what we want to forgive. Holy Spirit, here I come. I got a whole lot of blocks for you now. Yeah. And then in paragraph 14, he says, Salvation lies in the simple fact that illusions are not fearful because they are not true. We are dreaming a dream. It's the dream of separation. And as Ken was telling us before, what I wanted to do in the recap, it's mythology. We are reading a myth of something that never happened. And I know it's, this is so hard to wrap your mind around. Of course it is. Of course it is. Don't let the ego now start, start jumping in and making you feel guilty because you don't get it or something else. No, 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 no. This is to be helpful now. To be kind and gentle with ourselves. Just as Jesus loves us so much and he is kind and gentle with us. He just wants us step for step to get the blocks away, to understand what the purpose is of the special relationships, and that in truth it's a dream, and when you get to be that far you know that there are no relationships here at all, because there's only one true relationship and that's at home with God. And in the dream, the only one true relationship is when the Son of God accepts the Holy Spirit as oneself, and there's no difference anymore between any one son of God. But until we get there, we need each other. We are each other's saviors. Hmm. Yeah. 
And so when Ken says that, yeah, this is not love. It cannot be love if it's from one person to another, for that is duality. But that doesn't mean that we don't care about each other. We say, okay, we're learning here. We're all the children of God. And we can have a lot of compassion when we give it to the Holy Spirit. Not compassion of separation. That, oh, that guy over there is in pain. No, there's no guy over there in pain. If I'm seeing any pain, there's only still a belief of pain in my mind. But I can give my compassion to the Holy Spirit, who spreads the compassion over the whole sonship. Because the Holy Spirit sees us as one. Yeah, we look at the screen here and we think, oh, well, that's, that's a really good magic trick from the Holy Spirit. He, he looks at the screen right now. He doesn't see 25 faces. He sees one Son of God. He has no idea what Myra looks like. I can wave and say, hey, Holy Spirit, I'm here. He has no idea who Myra is. No, he sees only the one Son of God. <laughs> okay, any comments, questions, sharings, problems? Myra, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Part of, uh, part of what well, the simplicity is kind of of all this is really uh, hitting me. Like, like, like going back to the thought thing, like every brain thought I'm having is either reflecting this thought or this thought. Well, every relationship I'm having is either reflecting this thought or this thought. I mean, it's, it's that, it's that silly. It's that simple. And, and I fight with that all the time. I mean, if, if I'm in relationship with anybody, whether it's my partner, my boss, the people I'm driving, you know, in traffic with, if, I, if I'm in my truth is different than yours, and each one of those relationships is going to reflect that, that insistency that my truth is different than my, my partner, than my boss, than the people in traffic. And if I'm going through my day with the Holy Spirit, then all those relationships, they don't change, the bodies don't disappear. <laughs> There's still messy bodies with messy thoughts. I mean, then they'll reflect that, oh, thank God we're not bodies. <laughs> thank God we're not these messy things. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, Abe? Yeah, I, I wanted to thank you, Myra, for pointing out something that I often miss in that, uh, uh, in a lot of these uh, passages from the Course, some of these ideas are hard for me hard to understand. And in struggling to understand them, I miss the kindness and the gentleness okay. of the message. And, uh, and you are pointing that out in a way that is quite helpful to me and make the ideas a lot easier to accept. So thank you. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yes, uh, Vicky. Um, sometimes I think about Kenneth Lopnick and, you know, how clearly he knew this, this truth as, as well as any human I've ever heard. And I was, I think about all the books he wrote and all of the mm -hmm. workshops he recorded and, and how much studying he had to do throughout his life. There's no way he had a relationship with Gloria. I mean, like, it was 
doing this and uh, and how long we've studied the ego's thought system and tried to make it work and it doesn't. Um, I think of having a family and how much time I spend in those special relationships compared to how much time I could spend in this special relationship, the special relationship with the course. Uh, Kenneth Wapnick just must have been up you know, 20 hours a day studying this stuff at, as deeply as he was able to connect it with us. Thank you. I truly believe that Ken Wapnick was in the real world. His guidance was 100% from the Holy Spirit. It was above human humanness what he did for 40 years long. And he didn't have to study the course. He read it one time with Helen, and they did all the punctuation two years long, and that was it. He, he wasn't like us. We have to study 10, 20, 30, 40 years. No. That's why the Holy Spirit knew right away that was Ken's lesson doing the editing, just reading it one time with Helen, and that was it. He didn't need any more. The Holy Spirit gave him everything, absolutely everything. And then he was able to become the first teacher. And for me, I think for all of us here, the best one that there is. To be able to stand there all day long, no confusion, no doubts. Uh, even when he stuttered, it was, all, it, was, it was beautiful to watch that happening while he's standing there in front of a yeah, room of, and being video recorded and everything and not giving a kick. Uh, actually, there was no Ken Wapnick. There was only the channel of the Holy Spirit doing everything. I, I was thinking about Ken's very... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Whatever. I mean, he had these relationships with some really feisty women. I mean, Helen was pretty feisty. <laughs> Gloria was, you know, a, a, is, <laughs> is pretty feisty. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I mean, I'm, those, those were either, I mean, all those, those kinds of relationships that we all have, um, they're all either special or they're going to, meaning they're reflecting my truth is, different than Gloria's, my truth is different than Helen's, my truth is different than, than Ken's, or they're going to reflect, oh, we're all just one son of God pretending we're not. So, I, I, you know, once again, it's like all our relationships are classrooms in that sense, what, what Dave Dempsey was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Ken gives us, the classroom. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, Jean? So for as as we're here for this time frame, and as we were reading about the hero of the dream, you know, I, I, I was listening to it and it was like, it was such a contradiction to the lesson for today, which is holiness is my salvation. <laughs> and I think it's the first time I've read it where I really wanted to understand content. Because as I was reading about this hero, hero of the dream and the difficulty in time. You know, so it also clarifies special relationships. Oh, yeah. They are content form. You know, I mean, I'm going to bring it into it. Um, but it, if I can stay in content, oh, my gosh. Mm. You know, so I thank you for this today because I struggled earlier with form. And, you know, it's always remembering 
content. It's so simple, isn't it? Yeah, which is hard to remember. We all have to put that, that little string around our finger and say, what was it again? <laughs> what am I forgetting? Oh, yeah, I'm forgetting that I'm dreaming. I'm forgetting that I'm love. I'm forgetting a lot of things. I'm forgetting to forgive and to put a lot of string around our fingers. Okay. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. Ooh, we still have a lot to read. Let's continue on. Um, Abby, would you like to read on page 17? The, the paragraph um, down below, again, we made the world. <laughs> again. Um, which we, book are we talking? From, from Ken's book? Yeah, sorry, I don't have that book. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, who would like to read? Uh, Vicky, yeah. Okay. Again, we made the world and the body to be a defense against a thought that never happened. When you realize that, you understand why Jesus over and over again in his teaching says that we should laugh and have a gentle smile. We should take nothing in this world seriously in the sense that it has power over us. We should do this because the world was literally made as a defense against something that never happened, which is just plain silly. One of the greatest jokes in the history of the world is that we call human beings homo sapiens, which means wise man. Man in the generic sense of species, not gender. How would we be wise when we continue to try to solve the problem of the body and the world when neither exists? When both were made to defend against a thought that does not exist and against a God that does not exist. That is hardly wise, yet the arrogance of the ego we call ourselves homo sapiens. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not a body. I am free. I remain still as God created me. That's all I have to say to that par paragraph. Yeah. He's really just telling it like it is, which is one of the reasons why I just kept reading this book. It was just like, you know, you pick up the course and you're not understanding it. It's not, it doesn't register at first. And that was, with this book too, it was like, okay, this, this is really something very important in, in my inner journey. I know this is important for me. And so... Um, I made it my, my garden book. I love to sit outside in the garden and read a book each year. And so I kept every year, I think 10 years in a row, I, this was my garden book. And I would sit there in the garden and read these things and say, yes, yes, yes. I finally began to get it, yes. And I think my neighbors were, what is she talking about? But okay, because at a certain point, you just have to love the truth. He keeps on you're a mind, 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 you're not a body, you're a mind. Until there comes a moment you believe it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can get excited about this book. Yeah. And that child in me, that also old. Okay. Um, Osmani, would you like to read the next paragraph? Sure. Is my sound okay? Yes, very good, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Okay. Those of you who know Jonathan Swift's brilliant satire, Gulliver's Travels, will recall that he made the white species the horse, which he called, I don't know how to pronounce it, no. Oi Hims. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Homo sapiens became Yahoo's, the original, the origin of Yahoo.com, creatures who didn't know anything. <laughs> but we think we know. We actually think we understand what the world is. We think we understand the meaning of our life. We think we understand how to gain pleasure and to avoid pain, how to achieve happiness and success here. And there are so many wise brains telling us how to do it, yet none of them knows anything at all for they believe in the reality of what does not exist. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so basically we are self-made creatures by our own mind. Yes. Who believe that we can control everything. Yeah. So that's why we get to a point in our lives that we realize that that success that we are meant to be having in this world as bodies is not possible. So we just need to gradually succumb to the love of God, just to say that, you know, there is nothing else that we can do. And also, and, and if, if you don't mind, I would like to, to read the beginning of today's lesson that says, like the text for which this workbook was written, the ideas used for the exercises are very simple, very clear, and totally unambiguous. We are not concerned with intellectual feats, nor logical toys. And Jesus is speaking here. So if Jesus is not worried about that, who am I, you know, to contradict Jesus? Yeah. We are dealing only with the very obvious, which has been overlooked in the clouds of complexity in which you think you think. Yeah. So we just need to relax and, as you say, let Jesus take control. Whoever we believe in, Holy Spirit, uh, Jesus, right mind, that's all we need to get out of the way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Myra. Thank you, Osmani, for that contribution. Lovely. I, would we, um, I'd like to go to the textbook in our blue book, chapter 31, page 660. It's the end of, um, it's the end of the section self-concept versus the self. I would like to read with you the last paragraph of this beautiful section, self-concept versus, self versus self, on page 660. And even before I read it, again, I will mention, don't let the ego get a hold of this. Don't listen now to those ego thoughts. This is Jesus comforting and loving and supporting What's written here is, is our freedom. 
it's our um <laughs> it's our independence it's our declaration of independence we're going to celebrate the fourth of july right now okay listen the world can teach no images of you unless you want to learn them there will come a time there will come a time yes when images have all gone by and you will see you know not what you are it is to this unsealed and open mind that the truth returns it's coming back guys it's coming unhindered and unbound where concepts of the self have been laid by is truth revealed exactly as it is when every concept has been raised to doubt and questioned and been recognized as made on no assumptions that would stand the light because the darkness cannot exist in the light whatever we we bring to jesus it disappears it can't exist in the light then is the truth left free to enter in its sanctuary clean and free of guilt there is no guilt and there is no statement that the world or better there's no statement that the ego wants to hear than this i do not know the thing i am and therefore do not know what i am doing where i am or how to look upon the world or myself yet in this learning is salvation born and what you are will tell you of itself this is the declaration of independence it is the moment that you say i will release this i will release because i don't know and in not knowing freedom will return to my mind And whatever we thought we knew, it just wasn't important. Everything that we thought was meaningful does at that moment become meaningless. Because only the truth is true and nothing else is true and nothing else exists. I hope you can feel that Jesus is really loving you so much at this moment telling you this is this is the key to freedom it's not trying to make you feel bad don't let the ego get a hold of this the ego is reading along and it's going to say <laughs> you don't know anything but I'll tell you <laughs> the ego wants to start doing things right away don't let the ego do anything the Holy Spirit says no you need to do nothing the ego says do 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 and the holy spirit says no you need to do nothing the son of god needs to do nothing that the dream figure is going to be busy all day okay just hand it over to me we'll take care of everything no problems the ego is full of do do is that what you're saying <laughs> yes yeah and b yeah bs <laughs> okay. 
Okay, we'll go on to the next paragraph then. Let's see, there's so many of you beautiful brothers and sisters here. Uh, um, Peggy Lee, would you like to read something? Sure. Peggy Lee, yeah, the only way we can find real peace, yeah. Sorry, I lost. What page are we on? 18. Page 18 in the book from Ken. Oh, I don't have that book. You don't have Ken's book? Okay, okay. Thank you, Peggy. Okay. Maya, do you have the book? I sure do, Myra. Okay. Page 18 on the bottom. Yeah. My pleasure. Okay. My sound okay? Yes, wonderful. The only way we can find real peace and have real pleasure and happiness is to return to our minds and choose again. The teacher of sanity instead of the teacher of insanity. We choose the teacher of sanity instead of the teacher of insanity. Yes. The teacher of the gentle laugh, not the teacher who was so serious about illusions. To apply this thought in our everyday life, we need to see how seriously we take everything that goes on here, how seriously we take the news, what goes on in our personal lives, our jobs, families, and bodies, our pursuit of goals, where we actually believe that attaining them will bring us something that we need and want. Yeah. My comment is, and as soon as we get them, we will turn and want something else. <laughs> the ego is never satisfied. No. Thanks, Myra. Yeah, thank you, Maria. So once again, Ken is repeating that we have to return to our minds. That's what Jesus is helping us to learn now. Return to the mind. Anyone else? Want to comment on this at this moment? I see no hands. Okay. I'll read this next little part. This is one of these parts that, uh, why I all, always love this book. This is one of the little parts I can, I read that so many times until I could believe it. The only value this world has, and the only value our bodies and our experiences have is that they are classrooms in which we learn that we are minds we are minds and not bodies not the seeming world of external reality that is the only value I'll just stop there at the moment this first part is just so impressive it's such such the truth it's the it's everything in a nutshell it's the wisdom of Wapnik in a nutshell and he's saying let everything be a classroom now we're learning we're here to learn we're undoing a whole thought system that's really something a thought system we've believed for so so long we inhabit a world of thoughts that's in the mind the world is in the mind. Everything is in the mind. And it does, it takes as long as it takes with the help of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever try to do, we don't do this alone. 
We cannot study this course alone because the ego will take over and start reading everything and interpreting the whole course for us. It's really great, just really as inviting the Holy Spirit every day, read with me, teach me, help me to see. Everything is in the mind. We inhabit the world of thoughts of the mind. The dream is that we are here in, in this world here as bodies walking around. That's the dream. And we will always continue to see the dream because all our senses were made to see that and feel that and hear that. But just becoming right-minded, always giving the focus on the Holy Spirit and becoming as right-minded as possible. You'll, you'll feel the change. You'll experience the change in, in your inner attitude and, and the way you approach everything and everyone. It changes. All perception changes under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Okay, then he goes on to say, the reason this course is typically not for young people, are there any young people here? No, huh? No. Uh, is that we usually spend the first part of our lives learning how to master the world and our bodies, how to attain pleasure and avoid pain, how to form relationships with other bodies, sometimes to have families, acquire an education, get jobs, and so on and so on. All of this is very important in order to survive in the world. And that's what we all did and never blame ourselves for any of it at all because once again, we did not know any better. And we were all brought up to be very good egos and to be ambitious and, and everything. So we, we can always be as kind and gentle to ourselves as Jesus is with us and can. Um, oh, okay, we're going to make it. Very good. There's just one more paragraph. Is there anyone who would like to read that last paragraph at this moment? Okay, Tim, would you like to read that last paragraph for us? Sure. <laughs> I, I, before that, I was thinking about the, the Hindu thing, I think, netty, netty, netty. Like, yeah. it's weird, like, having classrooms where you got to go, well, it's not what I think it is. It's not that. It's not this. <laughs> I look in the mirror and go, well, that's not me. <laughs> I mean, it's all these all these classrooms where I, one thing after another, I, I just have to remind myself it's not this. Netty, netty, netty. Not this, not that, not this, not that. Whatever truth is, I know it's not that. <laughs> Can't be that. Oh, oh, God forbid it's that. <laughs> yeah, all righty. A person cannot do all that, <laughs> however, while at the same time believing the world is an illusion. Thus, it is usually not until we are a little farther along in our lives, at least in our 30s typically, but it could be later or earlier, that we suddenly realize, as the workbook says, the world I see holds nothing that I want. We recognize how insane this world is, how nothing here works for too long, relationships, bodies, <laughs> automobiles, computers, governments, the stock market, and, and the weather. Nothing works. The world cannot work because it, because it comes from an insane thought that does not work. 
I was thinking the whole thing, the whole, the whole trip is it was made not to work. And then we act like we're surprised it doesn't work. Like, I mean, we were, we made all this up to be dismayed. We made all this up to be, feel disenfranchised, to feel disassociated. I mean, it was all, actually, it's fulfilling its purpose very well. <laughs> you know, this can't be, you know, this ain't working. <laughs> not this, not this, not this. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Tim. Bruce, you wanted to say something? Just the netty, netty, netty remind me of, I, I was just thinking, wordplay mind again. Um, the, it, nitty, nitty, nitty is, is Holy Spirit's correction for ego's misinterpretation of everything, of mm -hmm. projecting blame and judgment and condemnation, which is naughty, naughty, naughty. Right? So. <laughs> <laughs> nitty, nitty, naughty, naughty. That's good. <laughs> okay. I do have a prayer, a lesson for closing, but we, before we go to the closing prayer and share another little minute, minute of silence, would anyone like to comment or say anything or share something at this moment? Silence is golden. Okay. <laughs> um, as a closing, I would like to use from the workbook Lesson 302. Lesson 302. It's on page 450 in the workbook. And I would like to read this lesson and um, then we'll just share a minute of silence. Okay. Where darkness was, I look upon the light. Father, our eyes are opening at last. Your holy world awaits us as our sight is finally restored and we can see. We thought we suffered, but we had forgot the son whom you created. Now we see that darkness is our own imagining and light is there for us to look upon. Christ's vision changes darkness into light, for fear must disappear when love has come. Let me forgive your holy world today, that I may look upon its holiness and understand it but reflects my own. Our love awaits us as we go to him and walks beside us, showing us the way. He fails in nothing. He, the end we seek, and he, the means by which we go to him.
thank you for this 90 minutes in time in a dream that we share together. Thank you for the honesty and the sharing, the bravery to share the things you said before, because we're healing together. This is how we heal together. It's really amazing. And I'm so grateful that I had this opportunity to be able to be truly helpful today while Lynn was busy somewhere else at this moment doing something that was important for her. Yeah. Thanks, Myra. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. 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 Thank you.